everybody. It's Connie Bowman. Welcome to Happy Healthy You, the podcast. It's Thanksgiving week, and despite a whole bunch of reasons I could feel less than thankful, I'm finding myself in a state of almost perpetual gratitude. Just days after the horrific events in Paris, on the outside, there's little to seemingly be grateful for. But inside me, there wells up so much gratitude, so much love in this moment, that it can only be explained by this human mind as a byproduct of divine grace. And so, I thank God. I do. I always have, and always will. I thank God because, as I sit here, I'm breathing. A simple act that my first daughter, Megan, had difficulty doing during her brief six years on this earth. I thank God that my other daughter was able to cancel her trip to Paris, scheduled for the Monday after the attacks. I thank God for the rest of my family who, even during their most challenging of personal trials, remain close with one another and draw on each other for love and comfort. I'm grateful that my family is a blessing, as I am aware others do not enjoy the same benefit. We have become a much too secular society, I believe, and to our possible peril, I suggest. By secular, I mean non-spiritual. Now, don't impose any other religious or otherwise political meaning to this, please. It's just my own idea, as I've spent the last couple of years pondering what makes us happy and healthy. From the many people I've interviewed, I am more and more convinced that it's a lack of balance in body, mind, and spiritual life that keeps us from our happiness. We need the whole kitten caboodle, and our spiritual connection is just as important, if not more so. How did we get here? That first Thanksgiving, after all, was all about thanking God for the blessings that, in reality, probably seemed scant for those early Americans. They'd been through the ringer, those pilgrims, losing most of their group to disease and the hardships of building that first community. There were only 53 of them, but 90 Native Americans showed up to celebrate the occasion. They celebrated together for three days straight that first Thanksgiving, no doubt abundantly grateful for their lives and the friendship of these unlikely and radically dissimilar new friends in this new and foreign land. I love this idea. Just imagine these 53 British folk hanging out with 90 of these natives who welcomed them with food and partied with them until their bellies were full. There was no football to watch back then, so I imagine they just ate and drank until they could no more and then stumbled back to their huts in a massive food coma. What a funny lot they probably were, these reds and these whites coming together to give thanks to the God of their understanding. You gotta wonder what those natives were thinking about these guys. I mean, they probably got all dressed up, set the table, and formally said their Christian prayers. The natives were probably like, Wow, dudes, it's freezing out here and you have no food, but you're still going to party. Awesome. They showed up to the celebration with food and a generous spirit and all was good. God was there in that first celebration of Thanksgiving, being thanked by this unlikely group of very different people who respectfully, for the moment anyway, accepted each other and just enjoyed each other's company. As the Paris attacks were happening, I was attending a yoga certification at Yogaville, an ashram in southwestern Virginia. Yogaville was founded by Swami Satchidananda of Woodstock fame and his followers back in 1980. 
I've talked about Yogaville in this podcast. It's a really beautiful and serene getaway to just chill, do some yoga and meditation, eat really awesome, healthy food, and as I was doing, take some amazing classes. It's not a very plugged-in place, however, so leave the technology at home. There is very little phone service, and Wi-Fi is scarce. So when the Paris events were happening, information was pretty slow in coming in. Among other things, at my certification, we studied bhakti, which is one of the four branches of yoga. Bhakti means devotion to God or a higher power. In our discussions about bhakti, we learn that much of the unhappiness that we humans experience stems from an acute lack of bhakti in our lives. This lack of bhakti can lead to depression, anxiety, addiction, and even disease and death. At the ashram, we attended puja services, which were all about showing gratitude and love and devotion to God. During the service, there is a representation of God on an altar. In this case, it was a large, smooth stone that was bathed and dressed and sprinkled and adorned with rose petals to symbolize love for the Creator. There was beautiful chanting and prayer, and a final blessing that each of us received by taking a handful of holy water, sipping it, and then splashing the rest on our heads. We each also received holy ash on our foreheads. The whole experience was very reverential, sacred, and moving, and such a beautiful reminder that I could spend a lot more time in my life in gratitude and devotion. Yes, I could. This Hindu celebration is designed to bring us into communion with God on a very personal level. Because the mind works with name and form, we are better able to grasp the enormity of the concept of God by using a tangible symbol, like the stone in this case. In my Episcopal roots, we had Jesus, the cross, the communion, wine, and wafer, or bread, to help us make tangible the experience of God. It's all good. It's all God. Just as those pilgrims and Native Americans came together that first Thanksgiving, this Hindu celebration of gratitude and devotion serves a similar purpose, to bring us into conscious communion with our Creator. These sacred forms of bhakti are important to us on a spiritual level, but also on a physical and mental one as well. Sacred practices of gratitude are healing on all levels. I left the ashram and went back to my regular life, renewed after all the yoga and meditation, and also after observing and practicing bhakti, albeit in a new and unfamiliar way. On the following Tuesday, just days after Paris, I was in a Starbucks in Washington, D.C., near the Capitol, where I was to work later that morning. D.C. was on high alert, and there were policemen with their giant guns on every corner— at this Starbucks, though, it was business as usual, with people getting ready for their workday with their customary shots of caffeine. When a song came on the radio, the barista behind the counter started busting a move. This led to the cashier joining in the dance until, finally, everyone behind the counter at that Pennsylvania Avenue Starbucks was shaking their booty with joy and reckless abandon. It was awesome. Nobody could help but smile at the sight that morning. Even in these direst of times, there are moments like these to be grateful for and to celebrate life. These are the moments for which we can thank God. Down at Yogaville, Swami S. built a lotus, a pink and blue giant flower of a building where all are welcome. 
At noon each day, a bell rings, and there's a half hour where people of all faiths or none can join in and meditate in the lotus. To sit inside this lotus is quite an experience. The ceiling is tall and grand, and there's a light that comes down from the center, symbolizing the light that is God. The lotus also houses an interfaith shrine with altars for every major faith tradition, some minor and even yet unknown ones. Swami S. was all about getting us into communion with God, period. He knew that there were many different paths to the love and light that is God and that we should respect each other's path. To uncomplicate things for us, Swami used the word light to symbolize the divine. Light is so sorely needed these days. We can all lighten up, like those guys behind the counter at Starbucks. We could shine more light on our many blessings, like they did in that puja ceremony at the ashram. And like those Native Americans who so generously provided food and friendship at that first Thanksgiving, we could share our light and our gifts with others in a way that opens hearts and fosters peace. For all of these gestures of light and love and gratitude, and those yet unknown, I am grateful to God this Thanksgiving week. And I am grateful for you. Thank you for listening. Back to Happy, A Journey of Hope, Healing, and Waking Up is a small but powerful book about healing from one of life's greatest tragedies, the loss of a child. It's about love and sadness and being human. The nine lessons in Back to Happy are intended to be food for a broken but awakening soul. Healing from grief and loss is possible. Finding joy again is possible. Back to Happy in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook at Amazon.com. For more information, visit backtohappybook.com.